Hello and welcome to Let's Quartet. I'm Nathan and we're about to dive into the nitty-gritty of being a chamber group. Making great music in a small ensemble is hard and it can be really mysterious. And while I'm still learning how to be a better chamber musician myself, I'm going to share the things that I've learned over the years so that you don't have to make the same mistakes and so that you can start enjoying your group and enjoying your music even more starting today. In the episode today, we're going to be talking about recording and not recording an album or a CD, but recording for feedback. It's like looking in a mirror and, you know, you wouldn't go to a fancy dinner without looking in the mirror. So why would you step on stage without having already recorded yourself to see exactly what you look like? I think everybody or most people know that you should record, but not very many people know exactly how to do it. And most importantly, how do you listen back and take what you're hearing and actually use it to change how you sound? Sometimes it can just be downright depressing. You record yourself and you listen back and it can be really hard because how you think you sound is often not how you really sound. And that can be a difficult thing to come to grips with. But it can also be a great tool to use because it is um, because it doesn't lie. It shows you exactly what you sound like. And so if you know exactly what the problem is, then you can fix it. If you don't know what the problem is, then you're never going to get it fixed because you don't know what it is. So that is why recording is so important. And here in this episode, I'm going to talk about when to record, the recording devices that I've used that work really well, recording in different rooms. And then finally, the most important part, how to listen back. There are two ways to listen back. So stay tuned to the end and let's go. Okay, so when it comes to recording, there are several reasons. One of the reasons you would record is if you can't immediately tell what the problem is. And this happens a lot in rehearsals where we're playing through something and it doesn't feel right, doesn't sound quite right, but we're not exactly sure what it is. So what do we do? We pull out the phone, we put it about 10 or 15 feet away, we press record, we record that section. It can be a small section generally, maybe like 10 or 15 seconds. And then once we played through, we listen back to it right away. And usually the problem is very obvious when we listen back. When we're playing, we're thinking about so many different things. We're thinking about not only playing our notes, but playing musically. We're listening to the other players in the group. We're trying to match. And then we have to be able to listen critically and actually hear what the problems are. And that's often where we get tripped up because there's just too many things to think about. So recording it and listening back is a great way to find things that you're not exactly sure what the problem is. Another reason to record is for balance. No matter where you're sitting in the group, you don't have the most balanced position, right? The audience, they hear exactly what the group is putting out. So if you have a question about whether you're playing balanced and whether you can hear everybody in the group, you've got to record. Another reason to record is to check the tempi. Again, when we're playing, there are so many things going on, it's hard to know if the tempo is actually working. And more importantly, if it holds together throughout a whole movement. And also, if you're changing tempi in the middle of a movement. So if you start at one tempo and then all of a sudden you slow down or speed up at certain sections, it can feel very musical and very free in the moment. But if you do that too much, it feels unnatural and it actually breaks the flow of the music. So it's really important to use to check tempi. Another reason is for intonation. And what I found in the past is that there are often sections when we record that are out of tune. And I never noticed it in rehearsal. Maybe it sounded a little off, but there are, again, so many other things to work on. The intonation maybe got passed over, or maybe it's very detailed work right there. And so recording and hearing the intonation is very clear. The recording device never lies. If it's out of tune on the recorder, it's out of tune. you got to fix it. 
Another reason to record is for dynamics, to see if your dynamics are actually making sense. Again, we have to exaggerate so much when we're performing, especially if we're in a big hall. The bigger the hall is, the more you have to exaggerate. When we are in our own little practice rooms, you know, you can get away with having a mezzo forte to mezzo piano dynamic range because it sounds big in a small room. But once you get on stage, they sound basically identical. So you've got to record to make sure that your pianos are really soft and your fortes are really loud and that there's a whole spectrum in between. So the last reason, and this is more of a broad reason, but you record just to see if you sound like what you want to sound like. And when you listen back to the recording, if it's not exactly what you want it to sound like, which for me, it rarely ever is. And that's one of the enjoyable things and one of the difficult things about art. It's never exactly perfect. But you want to get as close as you can. So when you record and listen back, you're trying to see, okay, how far off the target am I? Where can I improve? And also, as we'll talk about later, what's going well? Okay, so those are the reasons to record. Okay, let's talk about recording devices for a second. So there are several options, and I have three main options that are my go-to. The most convenient is the phone or the iPad, right? You pull it out, everyone has one, you stick it in the room, you can record and you can listen back right away. If you have a little sound system, that's even better, or maybe a Bluetooth speaker, so everyone in the group can hear at the same time, that's ideal. But if not, you record it on your phone and you can share it immediately. So that is the most convenient, but the lowest quality recording feedback, okay? So that really is quick and dirty if you're just trying to check something. It's not great for sound quality, so I wouldn't base sound decisions off of what I hear on the phone all the time, unless it's very obvious. But if you wanna check a tempo, if you wanna check rhythms or ensemble, that stuff should be pretty clear on the phone. The next better option is something like a Zoom. So I have an old Zoom H4n, and I bought it used I don't know, maybe like five or six years ago, and it's still going strong. One of the mics is kind of a little wonky sometimes, but it works pretty well. It is also very convenient, very easy to use, but the downside to that is that if more than one person wants to listen back at a time, you have to take the SD card out and put it in your computer and then share it that way. So it takes a little bit more effort, but the sound quality is much better. You can plug in headphones if you just want to listen to yourself. But again, if you want to listen as a group, it's a little bit extra work. The next step up from that is using a Zoom or similar device with external microphones. And this is kind of the best of both worlds. You get really good quality and it's pretty convenient. Now, that involves having extra microphones and the cables. And usually when you plug in the extra the external microphones into the Zoom, it, it really sucks power. So if you're going to record for a long time, you got to have an external battery pack or you got to be able to plug it in. But that is a really great sound. And we've even recorded concerts on that and it turned out pretty good. Now, the best option and the, the one that we use when we're very close to a concert or we're um, really fine tuning stuff is a microphone and computer setup. And what I have that I've been kind of collecting over the years, I have two small diaphragm condenser mics. They are SE8s, and they were about, I think, 600 bucks for the pair, so not cheap. And then I have a couple of Megami Gold cables, and I run those two microphones through a USB Pre-2 sound devices interface, which is also not cheap. I think I got it used for about $500, but it sounds great, very clear. And then I run that into my computer and I use Adobe Audition. So again, this setup is the cleanest. It's a very good quality and it's gonna show everything. 
And typically what happens in the course of learning a piece and preparing it for a performance is we start recording with the most convenient first in rehearsals, like the phone. And then as things get a little bit better, we need a little bit more better feedback and a better quality. So then we go to the Zoom. And then once things are really getting to the polish stage, then we pull out the nice microphones in the computer and we try to get into a bigger space and really take a nice recording. So for instance, tomorrow we have a run-through concert and it's a concert. We're trying some new pieces out and tonight we have a rehearsal. And tonight I'm gonna bring all the equipment. It's two mics, two cables, the interface and my computer. And I'm gonna record the whole thing. And that way we can listen back very good quality and that way we can really fine tune some stuff. Now the time frame isn't ideal because we're gonna do that recording tonight and then we have the concert tomorrow. But the concert tomorrow really isn't the, the grand goal. It's not the big goal. That is just a stepping stone. And so we can even use the recording to listen back over the next week or two or three weeks as we get ready for, this is for the competition in April. So those are the different devices, the phone, the Zoom or something similar. I think Tascam has uh, similar type portable uh, recording devices, the Zoom with microphones, if you have it, and then the best is the microphone and computer setup. Sometimes the complaint about recording is, you know, I'm not in a big room, the room isn't good enough, but really it doesn't matter what room you're in because you're not recording for an album. You're not recording for a competition at this stage or an audition or anything like that. You are only recording for your own personal feedback. So the practice room that we often rehearse in is probably about 20 feet by 20 feet. It's a square. And we sit kind of in the middle-ish of the room. And when we record, we just put the recording device basically as far away from us as possible in the room. And that is helpful. It's close enough to where we can hear what's going on. The room is kind of boomy, and so we wouldn't want to put it any further than that, even if we could. So we put a little bit closer. Generally, if the room is echoey and boomy, and there's a lot of reverb, you want to put the recording device a little bit closer. And just be aware that the closer the microphone is, the more you're going to hear. Okay, so that can be a tool to use. It can also be a little bit harder to listen back to, right? Because you're hearing every little thing. If you're in a boomy room, it's a little bit more forgiving and so it's nicer to have the boom, but you lose out on some of the detail and it's not as helpful when listening back and trying to fix problems. The other room that we often record in is a large orchestra room and it's probably 50 feet by 50 feet. When we record in there, like we did just a couple days ago, I put the microphones probably 20 or 30 feet away and it's not too boomy because the ceiling is super tall. And so even though it wasn't the perfect recording, it gave us a lot of helpful information about balance. So 20 feet or so is roughly where the audience will be sitting, kind of depending on how big the hall is. But for us, it's about 20 to 30 feet is where most of the audience is. So having that kind of feedback on the balance and articulation, what articulation is coming across, especially if a movement has a lot of fast notes, you have to make sure that the fast notes are speaking clearly. And if you take a tempo that maybe feels comfortable on stage and you can hear everything in a small room, but then once you get to a bigger stage, the notes, the really fast notes need time to speak. And if you go too fast, then those little notes will get lost. So that's another reason to record that I, I didn't mention at the beginning is to just check your tempo to see if it works with the space. So recording in this big orchestra room works really well because we can actually hear what the audience is gonna hear as far as balance and articulation and dynamics and all the other things I mentioned earlier. The last 
recording room that we record in is the recital hall. This is the most helpful because it is exactly where we're going to be playing. There's less echo because it's treated and it's, it's a recital hall, so they made it sound really good. We set up the recording device, whether that's microphones or the Zoom. Sometimes if we have a chance to get in the hall on short notice, we'll even just use our phones. Anything is better than nothing. But we put the recording device on maybe the fifth row or so, so we get an idea of what the sound is like kind of in the the front third of the audience. And it gives us a really good idea of what's working. Same as in the other rooms, right? It doesn't matter so much where you put it. Just make sure you use it. So don't let the room stop you from recording yourself and don't let not having the exact perfect equipment stop you from recording. If you've got a phone, you've got enough. Okay, so now that you know the reasons to record, we've talked about the recording devices and we've talked about recording in different rooms. The last part of this, and maybe the most important thing, is how to listen back. How to make the recording useful to you. Because, you know, you could record all day, you could record every practice session and every rehearsal session, but if it's not actually changing the way that you rehearse or the way that you perform, then what's the point, right? Okay, so there are two ways to listen. One of them is to listen for the general impression of the music. The other way is to listen critically. Now, when you're listening for the impression, you're listening in a way that 95% of the audience will hear your music. Many of the people who come to your concert won't notice the tiny intonation errors or that the tempo changed in the middle of the piece. They're not going to know those little tiny things that weren't exactly right, that weren't exactly polished. But what you're listening for is how does the music make you feel? And what do you remember about the piece? Is it boring? Is the music making sense? Or am I lost in the middle of it? Do I want to listen to the sound, right? As an audience member, sound quality is important. Even if they don't have the language to describe the different types of sound colors, sound is what leaves most of an impression on somebody, whether it's intense or warm or raw, whatever it is, you want to make sure that your sound is making sense and is communicating to the audience. And then lastly, the question that you want to ask yourself when you're listening back for the impression is, what do I remember most about the performance? Was there something memorable in the recording that stood out to you? And if not, you have to ask yourself, okay, what, what's happening here? Something is getting lost from where we sit in the group to the audience where the recording device is and we're not communicating in some way. So we've got to do something different. Okay, so that's how you listen for the impression. And this is a really important way to listen because so much of the time we can get caught up in, oh, it's out of tune, it's not together, the dynamics don't match, the color isn't good. We have all these negatives about these, all these little tiny things that we as musicians think all the time about. But again, for 95% of the audience, and I'm making that number up, but for most of the audience, they won't notice those things. So you have to rehearse in such a way that you leave an impression on them. And you have to ask those questions I mentioned. How does it make them feel? Do they want to listen to the sound? Is it boring? Does it make sense to them? You know, all those things for the impression. Now, when you're listening critically, you're listening super, super closely. What's working? What isn't working? What needs to get tuned? What's not together? Do the dynamics make sense? Is the color good? articulations? Does the music hold together as a whole piece? What's the big picture? When you're listening critically, something that can happen is this turns into a smash fest and 
you get all depressed because it doesn't sound very good. So not only do you have to listen critically to the things that are going badly and that aren't working very well, you also have to listen and notice the things that are working well. And that's not just to make yourself feel better, even though that's really important. It is to lean into the things that are working well so that those things that are working well can carry you through the things that aren't working so well. So what I mean is if you are producing a really beautiful sound, the colors are beautiful, it's matching, well, that's amazing. Good for you. That is so good and it's so important to realize that because as you're working on the other things, you don't want to lose sight of the beautiful sound that you are making. If you don't realize what was working well, sometimes in the midst of working on the intonation and the ensemble and those other things that aren't working well, if you don't realize what you have, you won't hold on to it and then you might lose it. So realize what's working well and understand that you want to keep those things and nurture those things as you try to bring everything up to a really high level. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. Listening for impression and listening critically, two very important ways of listening. When you're listening for impression, one last thing I want to say about this is I wouldn't take notes in the music so much. I would just listen and let the music kind of wash over you just like the audience is going to do and try to turn off the critical side of your brain. Don't get critical. Just listen as much as you can to how the music is making you feel. When you listen critical, this is much easier for most of us. It's helpful to have the music there. The score is most important, right? So have the score there or at least your part. And as you're listening, make notes. You can come up with whatever system works for you, but um, have a pencil and if it's out of tune, write an I. Or if the rhythm's not right, write an R. Or if it's not together, write NT or circle it or whatever it may be. You need to come up with some sort of system because you're not going to remember everything, right? Unless you have perfect memory. I don't, I hardly remember anything when I'm listening through something because there is just so much that needs to get processed. So if I can listen without any distractions, not walking around town, not driving in the car, those aren't ideal places to listen because we're distracted in some way. So you have to make the time to just sit down and really listen critically and also listen for impression. Again, have the score when you're listening critically and make those marks so you can take it to the rehearsal and then you have an idea of what to work on. And this works really well if in one of the rehearsals it is just a run through and record rehearsal. So maybe you're going to spend the whole hour or two hours just running through your music and you're going to record all of it. Okay, then you all go home and over the next week or days, however long until the next rehearsal, you're going to listen to it individually. You're going to listen for impression and you're going to listen critically and you're going to take notes and then you're going to come back to the next rehearsal. There will be so many obvious things that need to get worked on. And it's okay and it's actually great if everyone has something different that stood out to them. One person may have been really bothered by the intonation. Another person may have been really bothered with the sound quality. So what do you do? You just take those things and those are the first things that you work on. You keep those at the front because when you get to the performance, you want there to be the least amount of distractions, right? So even if most of the audience isn't hearing all those little things that aren't going right, that will come across in the impression of the music. You want to take away the distractions. And even people who don't have a trained ear to listen critically, they can hear the impression. They can get the sense of if something is really polished or not. So that's what you're going for. You're going for a distraction-free performance that communicates emotionally what you're trying to get across to the audience. 
That's the goal, right? And by recording back, you're looking in the mirror. It's a very clean mirror. It shows you exactly what's going on. You can listen back and know exactly what needs to get fixed. Be careful that when you record and you listen back, you don't take it to the next step. Taking it to the next rehearsal is so important because otherwise what happens is you record, you listen back, and maybe it's not exactly how you wanted it, so you feel kind of bad and it's kind of a bummer, and then you're bummed out and then you don't really do anything about it. And I can say this from experience because I've done this. Just be careful that when you go through the step of recording and listening back, that the very next step is taking down those notes and taking them to the next rehearsal so you guys can actually work through those things that need to get worked on. Okay, so there we go. That is how you record. Not too difficult, but it does take a little bit of thought about listening in the different ways and making sure that the information that you're getting from the recording is actually useful. Thanks so much for listening. If something was helpful or you learned something, then go ahead and share it with somebody. And if you have a minute to leave a review or a rating, I would really appreciate it. Thanks so much, and until next time, go practice.